0: This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap.
1: Hello, I'm John Elledge, and this is Skylines, the, the Citymetric podcast. This week we are going to talk about an exciting, I think, under-discussed topic in in the world of, well, e- even within the world of kind of cities and urbanism and all that stuff. You don't often spend much time thinking about bollards, do you? I think bollards are, are probably an underrated feature of, of the modern city. So in a bit we've got a guest who who has in fact uh, become one of the world's leading experts on bollards and given given the public speeches about it. But in the meantime, I, I thought it'd be nice to to you know have, have someone tell me some other things. So once. Again, I've, I've dragged my colleague India Bork, down to the podcasting dungeon to I set her some homework about to go and learn interesting things about street furniture, and and now we're going to find out what she's learned. Hello, India, how are you?
0: Hello, I'm good. to so you told me you're doing a podcast about bollards. Yes.
1: Are you pro bollards? Are bollards good?
0: No. What's wrong with bollards? You wouldn't get
1: far in life without bollards. I would can't you?
0: wait to hear how Ed defends bollards. I read his piece on City Metric and I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Why would you want a bollard when you could have a tree?
1: Because sometimes a tree isn't enough. I don't know. I isn't don't have a good enough. answer. I have. I may not have a good answer for that one. So I mean, like, but trees trees uh, suck up carbon dioxide.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe sometimes you want. Do
0: bollards suck up carbon dioxide? Think maybe no.
1: maybe sometimes you want the carbon dioxide. Trees drop leaves everywhere, and <laughs> like and like you know sap leaves. and stuff. Bollards don't tend to to molt, so that's. True. Fair I'm re- enough. I'm I'll give reading, that one. I'm not going to make a very strong, strong argument in favour of the bollard. Why don't you tell us about trees?
0: So my trump card for why trees are better than bollards is the ver- reading Ed's piece on Sydney Metric, The very word bollard is, comes from thing. a tree-shaped thing. So. That's- Trees are the original bollards.
1: This is this is literally something that he says on the tape. It's got, you're, like, you're, you're just like spoiling his whole, his whole routine. So we might as well not use it.
0: it. So I'm trailing it. Trailing okay, it. okay. <laughs> building, building anticipation.
1: So, okay, if the, if the best thing about a tree is that it's a bit like a bollard. <laughs>
0: it's way better than a bollard.
1: It doesn't really say much for nature. That's all I'm People saying. People
0: love trees. Trees have personality all over the country. Like historic trees around Britain. People go and leave pennies on and scratch their names into the... The oldest tree in Britain is over a thousand years old. I mean, that's that's history, and it's like in its being, they talk to each other.
1: Trees talk to each other.
0: Yeah, they do. They so scientists have recently discovered they use networks of fungi in the soil to exchange information about what they need, and then they're like, "Hey, tree over there, give me a little bit more of this, or can I have some more of this?" And they like they work. They they communicate.
1: They communicate using fungi. Mm. Is this like passenger pigeons? Trees have fungi instead of passenger pigeons. I'm really confused as to how this works. Is it like chemical? I
0: like using a nature a nature metaphor for, or a simile for, a, for for another nature simile.
1: But I just I literally do not understand how a tree is communicating with another tree using using fungi. Give me some more. Give me some more to go on here.
0: To be honest, I don't understand either. But the scientists say it happens, and they know things, John.
1: But like, is it like? Chemical signals, or like, I yes, don't, it's okay. chemicals, but okay. going
0: through the fungi in the soil. So it's through not, their roots. It's, it's, it's not like
1: it. it's not literally. I'm thirsty. Pass it on. It's like. I kind
0: it, of think it is. It, kind is, of that, it yeah. is that.
1: Okay, <laughs> but but in chemical form. Yes. Okay.
0: Now, well. obviously, that's more forests and street trees. Well, maybe street trees do it too. Do. I don't. I don't think there's been a study on that subject on street trees. But street trees are awesome because most of us live in cities, so. So not only do we see them, which there's been loads of studies that say that improves your mental health if you can look out on greenery every day, but they literally keep us younger, one study has shown. They also, really importantly, the way the climate's heading at the minute, um, they can cool down neighbourhoods anywhere up to two degrees Celsius on a hot day. So, if you know, heat, heat waves cool. are going to be really massive in the future across the world. So you really, really need trees in cities.
1: Is that, is that mostly by providing shade? I mean, what's the, what's the mechanism there?
0: Mm, I don't know the exact mechanism. <laughs> shade, I'm sure, would be a massive, massive part of it, yes. And they raise house prices.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, well... Streets
0: with trees. That, I mean, cost, like cost this, is,
1: this is the Citymetric podcast. So in many ways, that's the case against the trees in this particular environment. Mm. It's like, cut down more bloody trees, really.
0: No. no, like plant tr- more trees. So. Yeah, but if they're going
1: to make housing less affordable, like.
0: Oh, John, that's a terrible argument. Come on.
1: I'm just saying if trees are contributing to the housing crisis or maybe they can do their bit, maybe tree houses is the way forward. It's like it can't be that long before we get a piece in the like, Daily Mail that says, you know, is this tree house the solution to the housing crisis for millennials? That's the kind of thing that is probably they've probably already done that one
0: love to live in a tree house. Did you have a tree house as a kid?
1: I didn't we only really had one tree in the garden it wasn't that big.
0: Yeah we also had a small tree.
1: But I think you probably had more you probably had a bigger garden. I
0: didn't have that big a garden but it did have fields around
1: it. <laughs> yeah I mean, sometimes that's... the sheep
0: would get into the, the garden. So there are all these trees in cities but it's quite hard to keep track of them and obviously if people do want to know how many trees there are and where they are for things like house prices but also for you know for the government needing to know where to plant more and etc so the city of london has mapped some of them it's mapped seven hundred thousand on data from 2014 i think and um you can go online and it's interactive and you can zoom in on the street you live and see what trees are on your street and what species they are but it's not all of them i did it for my street and the really, really beautiful weeping willow at the end, of like near near my house, was not on it, which oh, was sad. sad. But also, apparently, there's eight million trees in London in total, so only seven hundred thousand are on this that's map.
1: Nearly as many trees as people. That is amazing.
0: It is amazing. It's great, but it is. It seems. It feels important to 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 map them for lots of reasons.
1: It, it is an outstanding map. That one is. Like, it's, I mean, just as a piece of cartography, it's like weirdly beautiful. Just it is. The it, of these trees.
0: Yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely when you've got points dots on a map that actually represent a tree and you can learn about the species but 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 there's so far to go with mapping them and that kind of probably is a good indicator of how under-resourced this general subject is um but in, in local government are, we yeah. don't even know where they are so clearly no one really gives that much of a monkeys about them
1: I mean, before we move on just one one thing i think is very characteristic of london if you ever go on high ground in the suburbs of london So I've noticed this up by the New River in Haringey. I've noticed this in in, on Horsenden Hill out west. If you're ever on high ground and you kind of look at London, you kind of can't see it because it's like often the tree line, the the trees are taller than the houses. So like from, you don't have to be that high up before. It's like very difficult to even Mm. see London because it's all just hidden by trees. And you don't have that problem in like Paris or New York Mm. or whatever. It's a strange thing about this city that everything's only two stories high really. Anyway.
0: No, there's gorgeous trees in London. The ones, there's one in Barnes that's apparently, um, it's been alive since 1680. And the plane trees on the embankment, they're pretty. You know, they've species that originated in 16th century Spain. That it's just the species, not the individual trees. I think just the species in that case.
1: It is kind of crazy. There's like a 300 year old tree in like.
0: Yes. But this is so. This is part of the problem. Is actually. Keeping these trees alive, keeping them pruned, as you moan about the leaves, mopping up the leaves, um, you know, looking after them, making sure they don't become dangerous, is a cost for local governments. So in Sheffield, that whole situation has become really political over the last few years.
1: Really, Sheffield? What's going on in Sheffield?
0: So, um, over the last, so the the Labour-led Sheffield Council as I understand it needed to upgrade the city's streets and roads there was lots of potholes etc so it used a private finance initiative to employ a private company called Amy. EM Amy, Amy. It's Amy. Pronounced Amy.
1: Thanks. <laughs> um, I used to write, I used to write about private finance initiatives so I'm, oh you' unfortunately I'm painfully aware of what all the companies are called and what they do anyway please go on
0: no you'll understand what's going on better than I will then so they paid this company to sort out the streets. And that company that decided to remove over five thousand roadside trees, which it kind of claims are dead or dying or dangerous in some way. But that's an awful that's already an awful lot. And an FOI request has shown that actually half of the city's thirty six thousand trees are earmarked to go, which is oh, huge. I mean you're deforesting cities, really. We've just like we've just talked about how good they are in all kinds of ways. Are
1: they gonna replace those or is it just removal?
0: So these a lot of these have very a couple of hundred years old trees they're old trees they can actually as assets they're valued at anything from like 50, 50 uh, k up like these are you can't just replace that um you can replace it with a sapling which could cost you know minimal but, to replace
1: but that's going to take decades to. it's going to take decades to the same um,
0: and actually cynically you could argue you know by cutting down all these old trees you remove the costs of having to to upkeep them
1: right mm, well, yeah presumably saplings are less trouble they're less likely to exactly drop leaves everywhere they're less likely to have bits drop off on them and passing traffic or whatever so
0: yeah so the whole thing's been building and building um the council refused to terminate the felling the tree felling because it said it could if it if it terminated the contract with this company it could be liable for millions in penalties so protesters have been trying to save the trees and one, one person set up a rape alarm as a kind of metaphor for for what's happening to the trees. People are really really passionate about it in Sheffield and some of them have even been taken to court because you know the council says they're obstructing etc. Cu- the current situation is it's paused the the felling is paused because Michael Gove in the central government has stepped in and said this the tree felling has to stop, and it has stopping. It has the government support, but it all still seems a little bit up in the air. The green, a green party councillor, kind of is in the Guardian, has said Labour, the council has only agreed to stop the felling because of the upcoming May election. So the pause is quite electorally handy to kind of make this issue go away for a bit. So huge tension.
1: It, this is this is this was always the difficulty with PFI, though, It's like you signed a, a contract. And if you want to breach that contract, there will be massive penalty clauses. Mm-hmm. And it's almost certain that, that Amy, like any other contractor, will be able to afford quite good lawyers. Mm. And it's not altogether clear that the council will have the money to get good lawyers. Mm-hmm. It's probably a good argument for not signing these 30-year contracts in the first place, to be honest. But there we My favorite PFI story was um £800 to uh, replace a light fitting. Wow. <laughs> And there's like loads of stuff what like that. What is so
0: special about the light fitting? Nothing. It's just
1: like there was a line in the contract that says, you know, "This is a variation. This will cost eight hundred pounds." It's just like price gouging.
0: Gosh, that's terrifying. Yeah.
1: Anyway, well, should we learn about some bollards?
2: My name is Ed Jefferson. I'm a semi-regular contributor to CityMetric. I usually write about things so dull or strange that no one else would bother to write about them.
1: You say this, but this particular article, which we're going to talk about now, actually um, has created a speaking opportunity for you this evening. Yes, uh, and you are now—you are now, I think—one of the. You are probably like the official expert in the in the bollard.
2: Yeah, um, I would say that there's an academic I reference in the article who's done like some proper actual research uh, debunking, well, sort of debunking an old myth about street bollards, that the original London street bollards are are supposed by some to be captured cannons from the Battle of Trafalgar, which a guy called Dr Martin Evans has actually done the legwork of working out what happened to captured cannons and where the London authorities at the time would have actually bought their scrap metal and due to that sadly there aren't any uh, actual... Ca- cannons so, from, from the battle of Jaffa. there are there are cannons so, uh, so what you're saying is that actually there is a real expert yes who, who he, I think he's looking at yeah he's like Cambridge or, uh, but
1: to take other people's hard work and then attempt to monetize it by making a few snarky jokes is the city metric way but it's, it's so, journalism isn't it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're, the, the, the article you wrote the sort of history of the of the bollard was called how does the humble street bollard connect Napoleon to Carillion via yeah. Welsh devolution so we'll kind of we'll work through that but like, What's, what's, what, give us some sense of what this talk you're about to
2: give is. Talk I'm doing tonight, which probably will not it be will tonight. Be, yeah, running, no, this, it, but it's, but it's March
1: 22nd as we record this, so by I, the time you hear, I, it, I, I, you're, I
2: am available for uh, weddings, bar mitzvahs. Uh, if, you, if anyone else, wants any to hear of your it,
1: Bollard yeah. themed personal life um,
2: events. But yeah, the, the, um, there's a uh, City of London themed stand up night at the City Centre in in the City of London. Uh, of which bollards will be only only one of the thrilling topics being discussed. Do you know what else there is?
1: Um, like, is there going to be someone doing like a whole routine about the fact that none of the roads are called uh, road or anything
2: like that? Unless it's all me. Like, if I have to come up with something on a... Um, and what's the deal with yeah. our special tax <laughs> status?
1: It'll be that kind of thing, yeah.
2: There is a guy I, that you, you might be interested in, that there's a guy doing something about trying to walk in a perfect circle around the city of london oh um,
1: i've done that no i've done that actual circle oh no but
2: not but in the, as in the city oh of in the london. city of london okay that's harder it's...
1: yeah well it sounds like there's all sorts of of exciting content which yeah. you can which i hope you will steal and repurpose for oh, uh, yes purposes. Definitely. but yeah so come on you 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 did basically a history of the bollard for
2: us what did you learn my general thesis about the world has become that there isn't anything so, like, apparently boring that you can't find something interesting about if you stare at it long enough. So if it's, that'd be bollards or train timetables that you can find patterns or context or history, there's something interesting in it. And either that's true, or if you stare long enough at street bollards, you'll just sort of have some sort of psychic break, and then the results of that might be entertaining enough to get away with whatever you were trying to do in the first
1: place. I'm starting to worry that City Metric has literally broken you. Yeah. But okay, let's, let's start from first principles. What's, what is a bollard? What's it for?
2: Well, initially, a bollard was for mooring a ship. Um, the, the the earliest bollards, uh, which is possibly why the, the link uh, with un, un, unused cannons loaded off the ship and then immediately put into the ground to more further ship. But sometime in the, the I think it was around the 18th century, they started coming to use in cities basically to stop horse-drawn carriages. Killing people and, and uh, mucking up the pavements, basically. <laughs> so, so they're they're effectively they they're there as a barrier. Specifically. Yeah, and since like that, that sounds sort of quite prosaic, but like it's there's a guy, a mayor of Bogota, he, he who's very much I- engaged in the war against Maitreus, and one of, one of his uh initiatives was to put up street bollards, basically because everyone was just parking on the pavements. And he he actually was quoted as like linking this to the very dignity of being human was to be able to walk down the street without a car getting in the way. Which yeah. is sort of this the the humble street this is actually is there to preserve human dignity, according. <laughs>
1: I mean, I suppose what they what they actually do is they kind of preserve spaces for for pedestrians, or arguably pedestrians and cyclists. But you know, like sort of human powered travel yeah. as opposed to you know motorised vehicles of any sort. They kind of block off certain spaces. Is that the kind of
2: yeah? And I thought, I guess. I, I guess it depends on the city as to how much that is necessary as to whether, like, in the, whether in the city of London, you would get cars running down the pavement without them, or whether it's actually much more just about safety these days. Although, I've seen some some unusual behaviour from car drivers in London. Definitely, the someone driving along the bank of the river in uh, Richmond at once, which apparently needs more parts.
1: Well, I mean, I suppose people do still more things. That, I mean, not yeah, like big ships, yeah. but actually. I'm I'm kind of flicking through your article as we as we do this. And I've got a slight problem in that, like, there are things here I'm about to cite as interesting facts and get you to talk about. And then I realise that it's in fact you taking the piss. <laughs> so, like, so I'm assuming that the word bollard is not literally derived from the Middle English for
2: thing a bit like a tree trunk. Oh, know it is. No, that's. Is an that actual true? Fact. I'm pretty sure it's an actual fact. That's an actual fact. Yeah. No, I, I do my research. I, I look up. Uh, that's the starting point of any tedious article. You pick the what you look up the word the article's about in the dictionary and say the old English Sign- dictionary defines the bollard as a.
1: I, c- I can tell you that the uh, City of London Technical Manual specifies that bollards provide protection to both paving and buildings and offer safety from pedestrians. Yeah. for pedestrians, not well, From pedestrians. Well, I'm,
2: although I'm disappointed in the City of London Technical Manual really because it only lists the I think it's the the c three and the D three, um, which are two kinds of bollards that you, you will see in the City of London, but they're not even the most interesting bollards. They're not the ones I'm really interested in are the ones in So the City of London Bollards, the ones that interest me, and part of what I'll be talking about tonight, is that you have um, a lot of them have the year they were installed on, which I think, well, interesting might be pushing it, but they do mean it is a fun thing that you can collect if you like to spend a lot of time walking around London and try and get a complete set of all the years. I, I got 2017 the other day, I was very excited.
1: <laughs> This reminds me of like when I was a child. I don't know if they still do this, but packets of Smarties used to have on the on the inside of the lid. They'd have a letter of the alphabet, and I spent a long time trying to collect all the letters, and I could never complete the set. I eventually took to like writing them on like the white ones at the other end, which was cheating. How many How many years have you managed to collect here? Like, um, is there a spreadsheet?
2: Yeah, well, I've got as back as far as nineteen eighty eight. There are a few gaps. Well actually there is one I've got there's one in Smithfield that says I think it's eighteen seventy three on it. I'm slightly sceptical as well to whether it's original. But it's the only one I've found. There are some others apparently that I've not I've not personally seen that were to mark some uh anniversary but the, the thing that the year does sort of tell you like is that well they suggest sometimes a story and that I was I felt well, I, again like finding recent ones is quite because because the, the a bollard doesn't necessarily need to replace so often so I was quite excited to find like 2010 but then right next to it was a 2011 and it does make you think okay there's a story here clearly like what did, did they put one bollard and then something happened and they had to install another one or well,
1: like maybe um, they put in two bollards someone crashed into yeah. one yeah well, maybe that's maybe that's your, your next piece of research. Yeah. So something else you talk about a bit in the article is the role of bollards in in civic identity.
2: Yeah, I mean they are the city of London is, is kind of they they are very sort of ornately designed. The city of London bollards, and it's it's also interesting look, crossing the border. Like there are streets where you can walk down and you will pass these uh, red, white, and silver bollards with the year marked on them. And then suddenly you'll notice you're just looking at, like, black and white striped ones. And then if you, you look up near a street sign you're no longer in the city. And they are, they do actually, they, and I think they did used to, they were much more common as that kind of thing back in the day when the, like, wards of the city of London mattered a lot more. Mm. Um, as to kind of, you know, what, I guess in terms of sort of what sort of services were offered where. And
1: The city of London has really infuriatingly weird borders, though. It, it's one of those like you can't tell it's not like most of the time you don't cross a physical feature except for the thames itself you you don't tend to cross a physical feature and like no you've left the city of london yeah it's just like, although it's you
2: like, can the the big giveaway is if you're on a major road is if there's a huge dragon uh, for some reason the, the oh yeah, the, yeah there the, are the that dragons. does seem to be the for some reason that's that's been decided as the demarcation the bridges are in the city of London, so no. Like... Some
1: of them are, some of them aren't. I can't remember. London Bridge is definitely part of the city of London. I think possibly Southwark bridges as well, but others the boundary is halfway.
2: Oh, yes, that could be correct. Although Tower Bridge is weird because it, the bridge is partly owned by the city. Is at least partly owned by the city of London, or possibly wholly but the North End doesn't actually land in the City of London, so neither end is in the City of London, because so I think the North End is just in Tower Hamlets. Yeah, well, ta- I mean, the Tower of London is in Tower Hamlets, yes. I believe. That's why, you know, Tower Hamlets yes. literally means the yeah, villages I, I, you around get, the Tower. Um, if you live in the Tower, tower Hamlets, is a tip, you can get into Tower of London for a pound, or you used to be able to do when I lived there and then failed to do this, but that's a, as well as being able to use the library, you can go to the Tower of London really cheap. Oh, I don't
1: think we've got anything good in Islington. I should like to find something else. So so what what, what have we missed on the you mentioned Carillion. What's the story with the Carillion bollards? Oh, uh,
2: so the, the there is the other place in the UK where you can go hunting for uh London bollards is Swanage. So There's a town in Dorset near what were a lot of uh quarries. She've wrote a lot of stone for construction in the eighteen hundreds. There was a guy in particular there was a guy called George Burt and his uncle John Molam, who ran a construction firm. They they came from Dorset, I believe, and they ran a constru- construction firm in London, doing all sorts of sort of big Victorian projects and they got they shipped. There, they decided to get the stone from their hometown. Good, good local boys supporting the uh, hometown industry. The problem is, if you filled ships with stone and you're taking them to London, once you take the stone off, the ships tend to not be very seaworthy. Basically, they would f- probably fall over because they would be kind of center of so gravity high, is yeah, too so high in yeah. water. So you need some ballast. One thing they had access to was a lot of kind of scrap from construction from the things they were pulling down, which included bollards nice heavy iron thing so they loaded the ship up with among other things lots of bollards and once they were back in swanage well what can you do with a bollard use it as a bollard so swanage the town of swanage is full of bollards marked city of london in fact they had so many that there are just like gateposts and stuff like anything that you needed something of that size they would just kind of you know whack a hole in it or whatever you needed to do and like so an astonishing number of things in swanage are old city of London bollards or bollards from other parts of London.
1: It's reminding me of like 101 Uses for a Dead Cat which was a yeah, popular like, toilet I mean, book in the 80s. So the
2: only book I could, there was actually a book about this but sadly it did not go into, did not have like funny illustrations of someone using a a pet bollard but but anyway the the link to korean is that george burt and john molan their firm became molan which was a huge construction company they repaired buckingham palace after it was bombed in the second world war and they built the, they built lo- the current london bridge but that company molan yeah lasted until 2006 when it was bought by Carillion and so thus is no more because korean is has been defunct so their their legacy is, in terms of a company is gone but if you go to swanage you can see it as in their legacy is City of London Bollards in Swanage High Street.
1: Oh, okay. And where does the Welsh devolution bit of the headline come into this?
2: This is a bizarre story where... Because sometimes when I research something odd like this, I'll just whack the topic into um, Hansard, the parliamentary record, just because occasionally you get something odd turns up. And... Guns against something odd did turn up. It was a debate about the... I think it was a debate in the Lords about Welsh devolution, which I think would have been the, the first time in the 60s, I think. The 60s or early 70s. And a Lord's genuine objection was that he'd read the bill, set the proposed bill several times and it appeared to give power over bollards in London to the new Welsh authority. What? It wasn't really clear what it... What he didn't go into much further detail. So what? What? What he was worried that the Welsh were going to do to the bollards in London because, if indeed it was to put loads of dragons on them, it's kind of too late in the city of London. So
1: I think the last thing you kind of talk about is is art bollards as art and picturesque. Is that going to come up in your lecture at all?
2: Well, sadly, not really because I'm limited to the city of London. I think the city of London bollards are sort of they're, interesting, they're quite beautiful objects, objects. as bollards yeah. go. and they have they have sort of there are still various shapes and sizes that they've been are still extant. There's sort of about three or four very common ones, but then there are, yeah, you can still see bollards, about the were canons in the city of London. But elsewhere there are, people have t- you like taken on the bollards and seen if they can turn it into an actual artistic project. There's Anthony Gormley of casting hundreds of thousands of himself, versions of his own body. Yeah. Um, he has some bollards in... Uh, Bellenden in South East London, the most entertainingly nice place in South East London. Bellendon, where he fittingly has, uh, or had a studio at least, uh, has a set of bollards, including one that looks like a willy, I think, and other, other... Highly amusing shapes. There's also a set in Goodwood near Chichester where I grew up. Apparently, of the same bullets. There's and there was a. There's also a lady in who has some around St Pancras. They're sort of. Those are sort of more about the art. The project's about where they're installed. So there are sort of two either side of a borough line or so. Uh, the, and there's one on some church steps, and it's sort of. I'm not exactly sure there this the, the exact statement was being made, but it's all to do with sort of the space where you put the things and so like one's just arbitrarily in the middle of a, of a well in a, in a square it's about
1: physically marking out space in yeah, some
2: way. And yeah I guess it's just what happens if you just pick slightly arbitrary places to put your bars, which is no one really notices apart from me and some bloke from london
1: okay well this is this has been fun. I've just got to end by asking you what's your favorite bollard hmm. I can't believe you haven't thought about this.
2: I I mean, I think the thing where I've now become like I'm now I'm on the hunt for a set of the City of London years. So I think if like it will be the like I haven't found a 2018 one yet. So maybe there isn't one yet. Maybe there haven't been any couple of months in. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, although you could probably engineer it. So like if you if you rent a car.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I I can't drive, which is. Sort of like that's a not, boon, though. Exactly, that's, that's not a problem if, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the aim is
1: to. But yeah, well, wait long enough. I'm sure something will happen to require the replacement for to so... It's not it's not like a vintage year thing it's not like all the best bollards are like 2014 or something it's like a
2: basically like i need someone else to have done the the difficult legwork of kind of going into it sort of like why there are hardly any bollards before 1988 and maybe it's because people suddenly started caring a lot more about safety post like post the 80s um or maybe it's
1: it might be an IRA thing yeah that's that's, that's another possibility because I remember from at some point in my childhood they were talking about the ring of steel around the city of London I think that was partly about security checks but I think it was also to kind of stop people like leaving major vehicles somewhere with bombs in them so I think it might genuinely be connected to that but uh
2: Oh, I know my favourite. I've just... The ones in Leadenhall Market, they've got ones that are exactly like the City of London ones downtown in date but they're painted red for no particular reason, I just, which is just really nice. I don't think there are any other in the city that are uh, not just the standard black, so it's good to Leadenhall Market. Cool. Well,
1: <laughs> so, so the lesson here is that colourful bollards are better.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, look out for them in more or less... Like any film that needs to kind of film something that looks vaguely foreign but doesn't want to go anywhere foreign because their normal market will turn up.
1: And uh, be on the lookout for Ed's new stand-up show, A Load of Old Bollards, which hey. is, Are you actually calling it that? Because
2: I think you should. I think that has been been done. I I, yeah. I, I don't know what to do with the... I just keep thinking about jg bollard i don't know really what to do with that but it just it seems like there is a joke there but i don't know what it is it's a
1: a joke for a really bad (laughs) webcomic i think yeah that's okay well i don't think we're going to come to a natural conclusion (laughs) should we just stop talking that
2: seems sensible
1: So just to wrap up this week, I asked the followers of the Citymetric Twitter feed what their favorite piece of street furniture was, uh, which turns out to have been a slightly silly question because um, several several of the best answers came with pictures and pictures are not great on the podcasting platform. But we'll we'll work around that. James Ball, formerly of the Guardian and BuzzFeed, says this is this is my James Ball impression. I was on the street once, and they'd used inconsistent standards for bollards. It was so ridiculous. Some of them didn't even meet the forty-five centimeter kerb guidance, and don't even get me started on the one hundred and fifty millimeter reflective band inconsistencies. I think that was quite a good impression, of James. What do you reckon?
0: Something inside me is is slowly dying. I don't <laughs> understand how people can care this much about the circumference of a bollard. Sorry, James. I,
1: I don't. I'm 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 fairly sure that James doesn't care this much, and he was mocking people who do. <laughs> But but we shall find out. He li-
0: really? He li-
1: I mean, he is he is quite, he is quite the nerd. So, you know. Hi, James. He does listen to this podcast, so yeah. Anyway,
0: so Dave Kidneys tweeted. So there's a wool shop near me that knits cupboards for the bollards outside the shop. In December, they wear Santa hats. Now that That's I cute. love, That's that I cute. love.
1: I mean, it's like also. I kind Easter of worry that like for
0: Easter it does
1: get a bit drizzly in in December, so I'm worried that the bonnets are going to get like you know all soggy and stuff. But um, <laughs> Daniel, dear God, what now? as he calls himself uh, wanted us to talk about Arabs, the stretches of wire that uh, Jewish communities use to sort of like. Basically define the inside of the house as, uh, as a certain area of the, are you aware of this? No, no. Yeah, you know, there's a great bit about this in, um, I think it's the Yiddish Policeman's Union by Michael Shabon. But yeah, um, there's some rule in, in Orthodox Judaism about how there's certain things you can't do outside the house on the Sabbath. Uh, so, so they just kind of, it's a loophole to sort of define well, the... Cool. Int- you
0: can extend the house. Yeah. It's yeah, like, you know, nice. all this,
1: all this is kind of, this is, yeah. a, this is, this is the whole Jewish community's home now, which I think is a bit of a, a, bit of a cheat, but there you go.
0: So Dan Anderson says, one for the best column, the drinking fountains in Rome. And he's got a picture of a bollard with a tap coming out of it. it? I don't see what's is it a tap? It's just I think a drinking it's... fountain. Yeah. It's a bollard I mean... shaped drinking fountain. It's very pretty. It's, it's like it... iron and... But I mean, iron.
1: I mean, I guess there are two reasons that this you, is. Have you, to you, be you quite really small to get yeah, down mean, it. Yeah, I mean, firstly, it's quite low. It's
0: more for a bucket. It's, a, it's a
1: dog crap. kind of height one. And also, it kind of does look like. Um,
0: oh, is that why he likes it? I
1: think, yeah. Oh. Okay. Um, well, we're, while we're on the picture ones. Um, Someone called Hester says that the University of Cambridge has been demonstrating its bottomless bollard budget and sent a picture of like, I mean, you really don't need that many bollards in that smaller space. I assume this is <laughs> this is an attempt to stop people cycling are, through at high speeds like, by the University Library. Uh,
0: there are twelve bollards in like a,
1: that, that's, in, in a three
0: meter by one meter yeah that's, space of pavement. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, I don't know why you would do that. See, just just put some trees. And then Tom Davis has also sent a photo, and it's a bollard with a sign on it saying "Keep off the grass," and there is again like a, a half a about... meter by half a meter measly patch of grass underneath it, which is. I which like is to sad. think
1: that this is someone from the council knowingly taking the piss. Do you think? I don't. I don't know. Well, it might be. Well, I there is. I've probably, I'm, I always worry. I've told these stories on the podcast before, but so I it they'll have to deal with it. There is a sign near me for the Barnsbury Health Centre. And a couple of years ago, they replaced the pole, a shiny new sign. I've lived in that flat for nine years. There is no Barnsbury Health Centre. <laughs> no. Not within the last decade. What? So I assume somewhere there is a list of the council that just says, oh, this pole needs replacing, and they didn't bother to check oh. whether... But honestly, I can't. It, it, I don't know when it, where it was. I don't know when it existed, but there is. I found no record of it on Google, so it must have been quite a while ago that the Barnsbury Health Centre disappeared.
0: That's fascinating. So my last, my last kind of campaign for for trees over bollards is that all these cases of bollards being like placeholders for signs is it, it, crazy because trees themselves have been signs in history. So. The Magna Carta was signed under this really famous tree. Trees like there was a whole charter of the trees that wasn't in the Magna Carta because it was so important it had to have its own separate charter of people's rights, and that was about how common like people had access to the commons and trees were part of that. So trees are symbolic, and bollards are just tools for other signs.
1: Yeah, but trees do push up house prices and therefore are bad nothing okay we'll see you next time